The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, December 29th, 2019, on the basis of Isaiah 63, verses 7 through 9. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. For the past several weeks, we've been talking about some of the things that make Christmas a holiday that is so very predictable. But you know, the predictable nature of this time of year does not come to an end the second Christmas comes and goes. In fact, immediately after Christmas, another very predictable holiday is staring us right in the face. Of course, as you might imagine, I'm talking about New Year's. New Year's with its very predictable parties and countdowns, New Year's with its ball drops and bowl games, and of course New Year's with its very predictable reflection on the year gone by and resolution about the new year ahead. Of course, there is a reason why part of what makes New Year's so predictable are these New Year's resolutions that we make. It's another thing that makes New Year's very predictable. It's that so often, no matter how strong our resolve and how firm our determination, very often those New Year's resolutions fail. In fact, if you've got your New Year's resolutions already made out, I'd be willing to guess that at least some of them are resolutions that you've made before. Things that you've already tried to work on and change about your life, maybe even more years than you would care to admit. And of course, the fact that you are making those same New Year's resolutions, once again, as we enter the year 2020, is evidence that those resolutions did not work. In fact, it would sort of seem very, very odd if we imagined the opposite for just a second. I mean, imagine going to a party on Tuesday night and and trying to make small talk with someone that you don't know all that well, and the topic of New Year's resolutions comes up, and the person says, you know, I, I really just don't have any this year. Back in 2017, I had four that I made, and and I succeeded in all of those. In 2018, I had three more. And then in 2019, I had five left. But now, as I reflect back on my life for the past year, I realize I just nailed it. I mean, everything is exactly right. My life is completely dialed in. There's not a single thing that I want to be different, a single thing that I want to change. If someone said that to you, I'm guessing the next words out of your mouth would be, Well, nice talking to you. Happy New Year's. And I'm sure you'd have a few choice words to mutter under your breath as you walk away. A life where no improvement is necessary, where nothing needs to be changed, where everything is just right and not just for one year, but for an entire entire lifetime. That would truly be something unpredictable. And yet, believe it or not, that's exactly the unpredictable thing that God wants to offer us today as we gather here in God's house one final time this year. As hard as it is at times for us to live up to the expectations that we have for ourselves or the expectations that we feel from others, the expectations that truly matter most, of course, are God's. And in God's desire for him to be like a father to us and for us to be like children for him, the big thing that we need to realize today is that God wants and God expects children who are perfect. Not children who are pretty good, 
not children who are trying hard, not children who are super resolved as we head into a brand new year, but children who are perfect. And the good news that we'll see from God's word today is that what God desires, he actually has. That when it comes to being the perfect children God wants us to be, all the work is already done. No more work, no more determination, no more resolve is needed. When it comes to God wanting to raise a perfect child, the work is already done. As we look at these verses from Isaiah chapter 63 this morning, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that God's second attempt to raise a perfect child was also his last one. It maybe sounds a little bit odd to state it that way, that God's second attempt to raise a perfect child was his last one. It kind of already gives the impression that his first attempt had failed, and it had. In these verses from Isaiah 63, Isaiah is doing a little bit of reflecting, sort of the way that we do at the end of another calendar year. He's taking the people of Israel on a trip down memory lane, and it isn't a very pleasant one. He starts out by reminding them just how good God has been to them in their past. He reminds them that once upon a time, they had been slaves in a faraway land called Egypt. But God, only because of his love, only because of his goodness and mercy, God had redeemed them. God had purchased them. God had set them free. Isaiah also tells us why God had done that. The purpose for God redeeming his people from slavery in Egypt was not simply to set them free, to say to them, hey, now you can go wherever you want and you can do whatever you want. No, God desired something much better for them. God desired for them from that point forward to be his people. God wanted to be like a father to them and he wanted them to be like children to him. He wanted to protect them and provide for them and care for them the way that a father does. And he wanted them to listen to him and obey him the way that children ought to do. In fact, he wanted them to be the perfect children. But that's where Isaiah's trip down memory lane takes a very unpleasant turn. In the verses that come Right after these, Isaiah recounts some of the history where this father and these children had kind of butted heads. How these children had often wanted to do, as children often want to do, they had simply wanted to do their own thing. They had wanted God to leave them alone. And so time and time again, they rebelled. God responded the way that a good father does. God disciplined them. God withheld from them blessings that could have been theirs. God allowed them to suffer through the consequences of the sinful courses of action they had pursued. And when God did that, very often, they would do as as children often do. They would come to their senses. They would wake up. They would reflect on their rebellious behavior, and then they would resolve to do better, to get it right the next time. And yet, no matter how firm their resolve, time and time again, those resolutions failed. If you know anything about the history of the people of Israel after God brought them out of Egypt, you know that that cycle kept repeating itself over and over and over again. The people would rebel. God would discipline them. They would reflect on their bad behavior. They would resolve to do better the next time. And yet, no matter how firm their resolve, pretty soon they would rebel once again. Kept happening over and over and over again, just like clockwork. 
Just as Isaiah takes the people of Israel on this trip down memory lane, it is good for us as we wrap up another year to do a little bit of reflecting on our own. And as we do, it doesn't take very long for us to quickly come to the realization that what happened to the people of Israel very often happens to us too. That we are perfectly fine with God being present and active in our lives. We are perfectly fine with him acting like the perfect father that he is. We are perfectly fine with him intervening when necessary to rescue us from trouble or keep us from danger. But the idea that all of that goodness from God, that his presence and his action in our lives would somehow put us in a, in a binding relationship with him, that he would be our father and we would be his children, that's an idea that we often aren't very fond of. We too want to do our own thing. We too often just want to be left alone. And so we too very often rebel. And the point of taking that trip down, to, down memory lane and, and realizing how often we too have rebelled is not to give us the opportunity to make some resolutions and to really, really try harder to get it right this time. Rather, it's once again to realize that we can't possibly be the children that God wants us to be. There are plenty of people who think that that's what being a Christian is really all about. That yes, God has, has saved us. God sent his son. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. God did his part. Now it's our turn to do ours. Now it's our turn to work on all of the different problems, all of the different areas where we have room for improvement and, and be the kind of children that God wants us to be. So, so maybe this year, it's my priorities. I know that at times I let silly things become more important than my relationship with God. I know that at times I'm sort of a half-hearted Christian, but, but this year I'm going to be all in. Maybe this year it's going to be my temper. I know I, I really need to get that under control, but this year I'm going to do it. Maybe this year it's the way I manage my finances. Less spending money on frivolous things, more generosity toward other people. Maybe this year it's my marriage. Less selfishness, looking for more opportunities to show my spouse that I love them. <coughs> of course, working on those problem areas in and of itself is a good thing. God definitely wants us to struggle against our sinful desires and our sinful actions. But as long as we realize one important thing, as long as we remember that God wants perfect children. Not pretty good children, not children that are getting better, not children that have made a bunch of resolutions to do it right this time. God wants perfect children. And so even as we struggle against our sin, all the while we remember and realize that we cannot possibly live up to the standards God, our good and gracious Father, expects out of us. We cannot possibly be those perfect children. If, if being the perfect child depended on our resolve, I have a feeling that come next year, on the last Sunday of the year, we'll be right back in this same spot looking for more resolutions to make. If being God's perfect child depended on our resolutions, those resolutions would never come to an end because they would never be successful. This trip down memory lane forces us to admit a very difficult truth about ourselves, that actually we are the subjects of a slavery that is far worse than the slavery the children of Israel endured in Egypt. We are by nature slaves to sin. 
It is impossible for us to stop sinning, and therefore it is impossible for us to be the perfect children God desires. As a result of that, we don't deserve a place in the family, and we certainly don't deserve a share in God's glorious inheritance. So what can possibly be done? Well, as the old saying goes, as I said with the kids, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And that's not what we need to do, but that's exactly what God needed to do, to try to raise a perfect child once again. You heard how that happened in today's gospel, how this wicked, awful man named Herod tried to have Jesus killed. He was one more example of a person who didn't want to be told what to do, who wanted to do his own thing. He had heard that a king had been born in Bethlehem, but king was a title that he proudly wore. He wanted to be king, and so he was going to take this new threat to his power and authority and autonomy and have him killed. You heard how in response God sent an angel to tell Joseph to take Mary and this young baby boy named Jesus and to flee. You heard how the angel told them to flee not just to any old place, but to flee to a very specific place, to flee to the very place where God's children had previously been enslaved, how they fled to Egypt. And you also heard how none of this was an accident, how by sending Mary and Joseph and, most importantly, Jesus down to Egypt, God was creating one more opportunity. God was trying one more time to bring a son up out of Egypt, only this time to bring the perfect son up out of Egypt. God was doing again a thing that he had done before, only the previous attempt had been unsuccessful. You heard then in today's second reading how this second attempt to raise the perfect child was in fact successful in the case of our Savior Jesus, how he willingly put himself under God's law in our place. All of the obligations that God expects us to live up to, Jesus willingly placed himself under those very same obligations, only of course he did so very differently from how we do. He did so perfectly. He did so without any sin. And as you heard, that's good news, not just for Jesus. That's not simply so that God our Father can look at us and say, see, your brother can do it. What's wrong with you? How about you try a little bit harder? No, it's good news for you and for me because Jesus' perfection counts as ours. And Jesus' obedience counts for ours. When God looks at us, he sees perfect children. This second attempt of God to raise a perfect child was, in fact, successful. Not because of any efforts of our own, but because of Jesus' perfect obedience in our place. If being perfect children depended on our resolution. Those resolutions would never come to an end. We'd keep going through the same cycle over and over and over again. But because it depends on Jesus' redemption, that second try was all it took because that second try was successful. Jesus was perfect. And as a result, so are you. You know, as this year draws to a close, you will very predictably not only hear people reflecting on the past year, but you will also very predictably hear people reflecting on the past decade. 
You will hear them say that one decade is coming to an end and another decade is beginning. And if you hear people talk that way, you can smile and you can nod and you can go along with it. And you don't need to correct them there on the spot because no one really likes a know-it-all who's constantly correcting people. But you know better, right? In our current system of numbering years, the very first year would not have been the year zero. They would have called it the year one, which means that a new decade and a new century for that matter and a new millennium for that matter doesn't start when we once again reach the next zero. It starts when we reach the next one. Believe it or not, our current decade has one more year left. And yet, because of this good news that's in front of us today, you and I already know how that year is going to turn out. We can already reflect on that decade. We can already, refle- already reflect on that year. We can already reflect on how our lives are going to go during that year. We know how God is going to see, not just that year, but the next one too, and every year that comes after that. That he will look at our lives and say, boy, you nailed it. You've got everything dialed in. It is going exactly how it is supposed to go. Nothing needs to change. Nothing needs to be different. Everything is just right. Because all of that is true of Jesus, all of that is also true of you. God's second attempt to raise a perfect child was successful, which means that no matter how many years or how many decades pass, God never needs to try that again. Amen. Amen. 